0: Hello and welcome to the February edition of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Genolfi.
1: And I'm Howard Marlow.
0: As always, thanks very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. Today, we wanna to talk about the infrastructure bill it came out just a few weeks ago. Uh, we'll give some brief, brief updates on other things to keep, uh, keep a lookout for. And then we're gonna talk about the fire risk going along along uh, our shoreline. Not quite the fire risk you had in mind, but we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Let's get started. So about two weeks ago, the US Army Corps of Engineers released its plan to spend the 17.1 billion that Congress provided last November when it passed the administration's Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Now that bill required the Corps to pass a work plan in roughly 60 days. And uh, we've got a short list of the coastal winners. If your community was impacted by Ida, Florence, Isaiah, or another major storm, please be sure to check online, uh, waterlog.net. We've got uh, a detailed list uh, and a breakdown of all those projects that were funded. So starting with the uh, construction work plan, roughly $230 million uh, appropriated towards construction projects. And uh, one of those, which is very important, is a San Diego County shoreline project, in Sanita, Solana Beach, California. And while there are other projects actually a little farther ahead in the court process, like San Clemente, um, I think there's a reason that San Clemente actually was not funded in this particular bill, and we'll talk about that in just a second, um, and why Solana Encinitas was, because there was no earmark for Solana Encinitas. And this is a project that's been going on for nearly 20 years or 20 years or more.
1: Yeah, it has been going on for twenty years, and
0: uh, and this was an opportunity. This to opportunity fund this project. in the
1: jobs bill was its best opportunity to get funded. Uh, bottom line, this is uh, a poster child, uh, which together from with San Clemente, uh, which uh, started about the same time. Actually, San Clemente started later, believe it or not, than. Uh, Solana Beach Encinitas and got ahead of it in the process of planning process and is really ahead of it in one respect. It's an earmark in the appropriations bill. And we'll be talking about appropriations a little later in the podcast. But this jobs and infrastructure bill. Really was the best opportunity to get this, I think, breakthrough project because their bluffs It's entirely different from any east coast shoreline project. And defies all the models that are East Coast models because we don't have bluffs like Southern California has. So, good yeah, for,
0: for California communities, this is a major win, not just for Solana Beach and Encinitas, because there are a variety of projects in California that have yet to get to the construction phase.
1: Exactly. I think that this is a precursor of other projects to come, not necessarily all beach nourishment projects, but I think the Congress's willing, willingness and the Corps' willingness to fund this project are great indications that it's been willing to invest in coastal resilience adaptation uh, on the West Coast, because we have only one rather small project uh, done decades ago in Orange County, and uh, that's all the Corps presence that's there, in essence, other than navigation. It is all the federal presence that is there in uh, the West Coast.
0: So I'm not sure, uh, you know, regarding earmarks if these other projects did have them, but we've got projects in Pinellas County, Long Key and Treasure Island, Manasquan Inlet to Barnegat Inlet, New Jersey, Raritan Bay and Sandy Hook, also New Jersey and Sandy Hook uh, to Barnegat Inlet, Seabright, um, for a total of $230 million. Moving on to the investigations, another, uh, another win... In California, the Oceanside Project, which many years ago was supposed to be funded. Was it Werta 2007? I think so.
1: I think it was 2007. It that was...
0: ordered, in essence, a 100% federal study. Exactly. And that never occurred. And actually, it, the Corps was even asking for some cost share from the city. And, it, you know, the way this was set up over a decade ago was there is a federal impact from the Camp uh, Pendleton Harbor on the, on the beaches and Oceanside. And for the federal government to do something about it, through a 100% federal study.
1: This is an example of the tussle that's gone back and forth between the executive branch and Congress and the importance of earmarks. So simply stated is this. Congress stated its policy back in 2007 that we want to have this study go forward for Oceanside, and we want it to go forward 100% federal for the precise reasons that Dan just talked about. Well, Congress in 2008 gave up its earmarking abilities on the Corps' budget. In fact, it gave up its earmarking uh, abilities on any appropriation. So that let the Office of Management and Budget take over, and they said 100% uh, federal? No way. So now that there's earmarks, there is a pressure to get things done, although the jobs and infrastructure bill was not an earmarked thing. The fact of the matter was it was going to be earmarked one way or the other. They decided they had money in the investigations part of the jobs bill that they were going to get uh, money for. So here, let's fund it and get it started.
0: Uh, San Francisco waterfront, storm damage reduction, another $5 million. San- South San Francisco Bay shoreline, Palo Alto. Um, Chicago shoreline. I mean, these these are important projects that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, um, Chicago shoreline, Great Lakes shoreline in general is eroding, and there's flooding going on. Chicago shoreline along Lakeshore Drive is flooded regularly. There is a federal project that protects a water treatment plant um, right there, but now they're going to take a uh, do a general reevaluation study of that project to see whether it should be extended to provide more protection for the land-based features that are there and to also try to deal with the erosion of the sand. That's a major recreational area uh, for the uh, Chicago area.
0: All of the Great Lakes are wonderful recreation areas, and they're eroding away quickly.
1: Yeah, and there's very little federal involvement. Uh, Chicago Shoreline is... The only one that I can think of offhand that has existed as a project, albeit only with the waterfront, uh, rather the the water treatment plant.
0: If you want to look at uh, a great, I don't want to use a great, a terrible example of erosion, mm-hmm. uh, is actually in Lake Erie. I think people tend to think of the larger, you know, Sh- mm-hmm. uh, Great Lakes near Chicago, Michigan. But Lake Michigan. Erie, actually, go on Google Earth and, and look at uh, the Gold Coast on Lake Erie and you'll see some... 20, 30 foot cliffs right in front of some high rises. So it's, it's major. I mean, this is not just one or two houses. These are, this is, this is major. So also want to point out planning assistance to States, one of our favorite programs, which is normally funded around uh 9 million per year, 10 million, maybe this mm-hmm. year, 30 million for planning assistance to States. So we love that program. It's a 50, 50 cost share, um, you know, for the non-federal sponsor. So if you're looking for technical assistance from an engineering firm, you don't quite have the money to, you know, to pay the full cost of a private firm. you use the core.
1: And th- don't let the name scare you. This goes to local communities with the approval of states, but basically goes to local communities, uh, educational institutions, some other nonprofits can take advantage of it. And uh, I think it's a fantastic program that more people ought to be involved with. And obviously the core thinks it ought to be expanded because it put it in its list of... Uh, you know what it wanted to see funded in the uh, jobs bill. Remember, this is in addition to the regular appropriation that you just spoke of, Dan, of nine or ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So then, next up is the Disaster Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act. Since this is specific to uh, this is specific to you know particular disasters, I don't want to get you know too into the details on this one. I do want to point out that there is a ton of money uh, in both the construction section, the Flood Control and Coastal Emergency section, and the Investigation section. Um, again, we have links on waterlog.net, so you can go and check that out. But I do want to point out the $2.47 million for the New Jersey Back Bay Study. And that component is entirely federal. And, it, Howard, is that going to be enough to complete the study? It's
1: supposed to be enough to complete the study. And when they get that done, then the issue will be what will they be able to actually pay for um, and also, the state is having some discussion about uh, with the Corps about maintaining the floodgates that are involved in that uh, project.
0: Right. So a lot to keep, you know, a lot to keep up with on that one. But uh, when's is there an end date on that that's expected? I don't know the
1: end date offhand, but this is one of these sandy focus area studies. So uh, other These are the flood, fun- the
0: you know, big floodgates and. Yeah, these
1: will be floodgates. I believe there are five floodgates that have been proposed at uh, various inlets because of the back bay issues that get flooded. We always think, uh, those of us who are land lovers and don't really understand the coast, we think of, well, if you are along the ocean, you're at risk. If you're in the back bay, you're not at risk. Uh, but we didn't take a course in hydrodynamics like my colleague Dan did. So, but nevertheless, the fact is that once pressure comes from the ocean, it goes to the back bay. And that gets seriously flooded. And Sandy was a huge lesson in that Hurricane Sandy. So.
0: Yeah, with the exception of, you know, Manisquan and those areas up there, which really were the poster child for Sandy, the majority of the flooding actually happened on the back bay. Bays. So yeah, to make sure our listeners are aware of that. Uh, two quick updates. President's budget should be expected out sometime maybe mid to late this month. Yeah. Um, as well as the FY22 appropriations,
1: which yeah. we're looking for. We have uh, coming up on February 18th deadline for Congress to fund the government. Which means that there have to be 12 appropriations bills passed by that time. Uh, my prediction right now is that there will be another extension, but if that extension goes beyond the end of February, I'm in, I'm really concerned about Congress's ability to fund, agree on anything, for funding, and we don't want to go into a continuing resolution for the entire year. No, uh, for a lot of agencies, the military is definitely speaking up about that because they cannot exist under a continuing resolution given the problems they're having and the challenges with Ukraine and other issues that are going on. So um, I think Congress will come up to uh, an agreement, but I don't know if they'll make it by the 18th.
0: And one other thing we're looking out for, which was actually supposed to be out today or sometime around today, is the Section 7001 report to Congress, which is, for those who are not aware, is in essence the process that Congress has uh, put in place to replace earmarks, but now that earmarks have come back, it's it's a bit of a delicate balance because some members don't want to earmark, some do, some want to use 7001, so uh, there's don't, a couple ways of getting projects be, into Warta now. It's,
1: exactly. It's Warda related uh, Congress not only uh, forbid itself in the past from doing earmarks in appropriations, but it also decided that it couldn't do them in Warta, the Water Resource Development Act. So they created a 7,001 process. You send your mother, may I, to the assistant secretary of the Army. He or she uh, decides which ones they're going to recommend and puts those into the main report. And the ones it refuses to recommend, it puts into the appendix. And then Congress decides what it wants to put into its water bill as a new authorization. Uh, We don't know yet whether Congress is going to do earmarks in water. So right now, 7,001 report is very important.
0: So Howard, is it time to reduce the fire risk along the nation's coast?
1: Yeah, I I did a uh, a post on this a couple weeks ago, and and here's how it started. I saw that the administration had come up with $50 billion for um, basically remediating wildfires that occur in areas that are near to uh, populated communities. It doesn't have to be a big populated community because a lot of wildfires occur in what at least started out to be um, small rural communities. And they were basically uh, causing a heck of a lot of damage. We know of a serious damage. And the $50 billion is being spent on programs that will try to alleviate the damage that occurs. And I said to myself, well, one that's deserved. That's, I'm not saying there's anything that's not deserved about it. But let's take the same risk and along the coast, and let's put fifty billion into it. Uh, and why would you do the coast? Well, well, simple. We've got a fire. It's a it's a risk that's already there, the same as the wildfires. Uh, they are exas- It's a risk that's exacerbated by Climate change, increasing heat, increasing sea level rise, flooding that's going on. And what if the administration came up and said, hey, we're going to put $50 billion into the coast? I think it would be a good start, a very solid start. And I think that uh, the way it ought to be spent is to get that $50 billion out to a revolving fund that gets into the hands of the 37 coastal states and lets them decide how to use it to best meet their coastal zone management plans. And 36 of the seven, 37 states have uh, coastal zone master plans. Alaska is the exception, but it has a huge coast, and it would be able to figure it out. It has huge coastal issues, and in terms of areas that are populated, and it needs to, uh, you know, it, it, it would like other coastal states like to have a beginning. $50 billion a share to be able to start because we're just not paying attention. There really hasn't been leadership. Administration talks a lot about climate change a very welcome change in uh, administration um, verbal leadership and has certainly been active in the Paris Accord and um, in other measures that are at least trying to get through Congress. But a lot of that does not directly translate into local communities and how they are trying to deal with whether they want to call it climate change or not is not my concern. They are seeing it as a clear and present danger because they're seeing it in sunny day flooding. They're seeing it in storms and all the other things that relate to climate change. So the post I put up, uh, you know, talked first about putting $50 billion, let it go out into a revolving loan program. Um, Give it to, allocate it to each of the states, let them put it out in grants. Uh, There's
0: nobody who knows coastal issues better than the local governments. I think the local I mean, government at the local level. You ask the public works directors of the local governments.
1: Yeah. You but, don't want. This is too big a country, for the federal government to be deciding that it knows what uh, everybody in the Northeast should do that is uh, similar to uh, the West Coast. It's not. The Northeast is different from the Mid-Atlantic and and, and the South Atlantic and, and then the Gulf and then the Great Lakes and, the, and then the West Coast, which by themselves have differences between the Northwest and then the South, uh, South Southern California, for example. So you would really want to have states be able to then turn around to their local communities and say, put in applications. What do you want to do? In Taipei Island, what do you want to do in Imperial Beach? What do you want to do? Whatever the community is, and put it, those applications into states, who can then say, well, these meet our coastal management standards and our resilience plans. And a lot of states have been doing resilience planning, but they don't have any ability financially to implement these things. So let the let the feds do one of the two things they do best. Federal government is best at uh, handing out money. Second, regrettably, on regulations, but sometimes those regulations are very much needed. So um, start out doing that. Then I would think also that something we just talked about earlier, the Planning Assistance States Program, I would give that technical assistance away to anybody who is a recipient of one of those revolving uh, program grants and say, if you want the course technical assistance, you don't even have to cost share. As long as you've been approved by the state to receive a grant and you would like to have that technical assistance, we'll provide it. Now, that's going to require probably more than the 30 or 40 million in the, in the program, but make it 100 million, make it 120 million. We're really talking about you know small peanuts. Small peanuts, not even large ones. So, uh, you know, it's well worth the uh, the expenditure, and it gets the core involved in a technical way, rather than having to do p- core projects. You would be able to, which often can be convoluted, time consuming, all that stuff, and, and that we've talked about in the past. Let's get them providing more technical assistance. You can also do that through the floodplain management uh, program which also provides assistance, particularly to uh, rural communities. So um, then, you know, there are other things that I suggest in the post, but the one I would mention would be let's do away with the BCR. Let's let Congress decide which programs it wants to fund, regardless of whether they meet the BCR test. We're finding a lot of rural communities, disadvantaged communities, but not so rural communities along the coast that do not have the tall buildings and the dense structures that are all piled on top of each other and that have already made efforts to reduce risk by having setbacks and the the like. Let's have them become eligible to receive federal assistance from existing Corps of Engineers programs do away with the course BCR, which is far more, I don't want to call it rigorous, but it's, it's far more difficult to meet the course BCR than it is any other federal agencies' PCR, from highway to EPA and others who use PCR. So I would waive that. I think it's time that we had federal initiatives that actually provided help to local communities so that they could... Uh, I would also, incidentally, incentivize any time you get a local community to coalesce with other communities nearby. And I think counties are particularly important as ways of coalescing, but you can have, you know, coalitions that are ad hoc coalitions of communities for coastal resilience. Uh, Grand Strand, Coastal Alliance, for example, could be one avenue, just to name one. Uh, But you can, if you have communities that coalesce. I think I uh, would hope that states would use that revolving phone fund loan program to be able to put a priority on that. But certainly, they, they did away with the BCR for the so-called Mississippi program, which has helped out coastal communities in Mississippi. If we can do away with it in one instance, we should be able to do away with the other. Let Congress decide if it wants to authorize a program or particular project uh, regional assessment or whatever it may be that doesn't meet the course pcr
0: 50 percent of the nation's population lives within 50 miles of the coast absolutely now most of us don't immediately jump to beach nourishment but there are going to be other alternatives whether they are seawalls which i don't support but they're going to be areas where they're necessary revetment other sorts of living shorelines Those sorts of things are going to be necessary. And to protect 50% of the nation's population, we're going to have to put a lot of money towards the coast with leadership.
1: Exactly. The leadership is the important thing. Because if you do not have that coming out of Washington, we're talking about national leadership to protect our coast. And this is where I tied it back into the wildfires, because $50 billion is leadership. $50 billion is a commitment to say, we're concerned about this. We want to do something about it. So $50 billion, if they can come up with it in the White House, they didn't have to go through a new initiative. They didn't have to get Joe Manchin's approval. Senator Manchin from West Virginia they didn't have to do any of that. They came up with $50 billion. Let them come up with $50 billion for the coast. And, and I think it's important to realize the point that if you have 50% of your population, if you have, I forget the GDP uh, figures, in the uh, 45% of our gross domestic product, actually, coming from coastal communities. That's huge. And I think it, out, it obviously dwar- outdwarfs, if there is such a term, the any other section of our uh, American geography or economy.
0: No, it's needed. And you heard it here first.
1: And you can read it second if you would go to the, uh, I guess the water log, uh, page Waterlog page just got posted there.
0: Well, that's all we've got for February, uh, but we will be back in March. Thanks as always for tuning in, and we'll see you then.
1: Take care now. Bye bye.